0: All right, everybody welcome to another edition of what's what br today we have two special guests with us today we have adam knapp and liz smith from the baton rouge area chamber how are you guys doing we're great. doing
1: great brandon how are you
0: i am uh, i'm getting through i'm i start every show with i couldn't ask for better weather i would write checks for weather like this <laughs> if i could so
2: they say it's chamber of commerce weather i want to take credit
0: <laughs> that it's provided by you know, <laughs> the <So> logo <laughs> in <the Yeah>. <laughs> we're gonna get a sky rider every day in airplane. <laughs> to just put that yep. logo there, courtesy of brought to you by you know, you and so exactly. And then when it gets horrible, we'll say it's like brought to you by the Dallas Chamber or something. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so. so, tell me, at, you guys have a million things going over there, you've got you know obviously you and you've got your staff, you know, and the board and everybody there to take care of and then everybody and their families to take care of, but also a city of business owners, you know, to take care of as well. What is kind of happening over there?
2: Well, you know, the, the beginning of this was crazy. We um, spent the first week or so trying to digest what's the best way to restructure our mission and strategy. Um, and in and, and mid to late March released a, a game plan of what we were going to do, Uh, for ourselves to try to help businesses in in as urgent a fashion as possible you know I think in the crisis moment what we saw was information was tough to come by Uh, folks were were completely uncertain about the kinds of things that were going to be out there as resources Uh, and at the same time you know we looked at our organization and said we have all these things that we said we were going to do this year that our staff are deployed to do that stands in the way of being able to address many of the challenges that are totally different so we Fro- as, as everybody, right, we stopped doing everything we thought we were going to be doing for the year, uh, wrote up a five-point strategy of what we need to be doing for the next few weeks, and, and said to our board of directors, this is what we think right now. It could change tomorrow, but right now these are the things we're going to do. So um, what has been probably most important uh, for us is to be visible to businesses about the things that we can do to help them. We've called now close to 2,000 businesses uh, where we deployed a, a big chunk of our team just to be on the phone calling people. Um, And that has been an enormous resource for us, both to get businesses information, uh, but also to hear the things that they're scared of, that they're concerned about. That's been able to drive us to create initiatives and programs and ways to respond uh, to those concerns. Uh, And we've been iterating that almost every day, especially, uh, but also even weekly to change programs, introduce new programs. And that's really evolved over over this period of time quite a lot. The other thing we've done incredibly aggressively is things like this. Uh, What we realize is we have to, in a disaster, be trained to over-communicate because we are in such a saturated environment, it's tough to get through. And so if you're trying to help as many as possible, you have to find every channel possible to get news and information and and, and valid and, and, and trustworthy information to the business community. And so we've basically done everything that we can to get that out. Nothing we've done has been uh, for a fee, right? So you don't have to be an investor in BRAC uh, at all to benefit from the information we've been getting out there. We've done uh, close to 25 webinars uh, where we've had wow. well over 2,000 folks who've attended those to get great information from us and from thought leaders we pulled in locally and nationally to give information. Uh, we've been able to make sure that we are putting out daily a really short uh, brief we call our COVID brief that's just one snippet that you should know today. Your time is short. Take this one piece away today. Um, And then we've done Liz's team, we'll hear about this more, but Liz's team has done some amazing work to research. What we would normally do is be researching for the purposes of changing the world for the betterment of Baton Rouge. This has been trying to make sure we understand all the crazy things that are coming out of Congress and out of the state of Louisiana that can help businesses, digesting it, putting it out in those COVID briefs or putting it out on our primary central resource, our webpage uh, for the recovery, which is brack.org slash recovery. And it is chock full of, of uh, great local state and federal information that businesses can take advantage of. And I, and I can't tell you that the outpouring of, uh, of sentiment that we've reached uh, received from businesses has been just overwhelming for our staff who are Spending long hours, you know, in, in remote work, you know, with their kids crawling on their backs, trying to make sure that they're responding to these things. Um, and they have been awesome to make sure they're getting this information out. And the response from businesses has been overwhelmingly appreciative. And so it's been both challenging but rewarding, I think, to be in the work
0: that we've been in the last few weeks. It's, it is amazing. One of the common threads, and I've talked to a lot of people, and I've yet to, maybe you guys are different. I've talked to so many different, you know, businesses and organizations and, you know, everybody, you know, in the world of, you know, IT, it's, you know, we have a disaster recovery plan and we have a building, you know, we have a hurricane plan and we have a fire plan and we have, you know, this plan. I've yet to meet anybody who's had pandemic plan, you know, and I bring that up because it's amazing. Like you had mentioned, and you kind of graze over and I try to give everybody a little bit of credit, a little bit of credit that's deserved. It's pivoting you know it's schools businesses we got you know an order on a friday you know for instance that schools were going to shut down you know they had 36 hours you know and businesses you know literally had 36 48 hours to figure out how do we do this and i've been in a lot of organizations all over the map and if you were to tell if you went into a team six months ago and said, hey, we need to work a plan where everybody's going to have to go remotely and everybody's going to have to stay home and we're going to have to still have continuity of business and we're going to have to be able to communicate a message, they'd be like, all right, we'll work on it. When do you need it? Next quarter, you know, at the end of the year, you know, we'll put these together. But people literally in companies like you guys have pulled it together right. and said, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to jump on Zoom. We're going to stand up web pages. We're going to communicate. And that's the number one thing I think that is important is communicate and get the message out you know, even if it's not perfect.
2: <laughs> we, um, we, we gave our team, I believe it was, and I'm going to bungle it, but an 11 word, you know, remote work policy. And if I had to come up with a quick, what's your remote work policy? It was like, keep it, keep it as simple as possible. One of the most important words in it was just over communicate. And that one I think has pervaded our, our, our strategy. It's interesting that you make the point about pivot, Brandon, because our first webinar was itself a pivot uh, for us to get into that business figure that out, uh, deploy the person who would normally be doing our physical events uh, to being doing our webinar events. She figured these out rapidly. And then the topic was how restaurants pivot. So it was this great kind of metaphorical and literal pivot, uh, both for us and for the
0: topic that we were trying to most urgently respond to. So just an interesting point to make. It is. It's, well, it's, it's amazing what, you know, happened in the community. You know, Liz, you've been at the forefront of this as well. You know, just I've you you and I talked, we've actually done a webinar together, you know, before. Um, it's it's becoming the, kind of the new thing. And I think this is the, gonna be Go ahead.
1: It's one of the strengths of the Baton Rouge community. I mean, with everything that we've seen for natural disasters that we've we've gotten through and then come back stronger from. Our resiliency and our ability to pivot and to come together as a community and solve problems, it's one of the things that we're best at. Um, so it's been tremendous to watch, but really it's not surprising that we've been able to do it uh, as a community to solve all of these issues. I've
0: talked with a number of people from other communities, and yes, we did swing full to you know, people going home, but it wasn't the first time. You know, we've had to do this before when there's hurricanes, you know, and it's like, okay, well, everybody's out, you know, for a week or two, or they're sporadic. And then we had obviously the flood. And so I think a lot of that prepared us, you know, for not all of us were, you know, we weren't prepared perfectly for it. But the fact that it's like, there's some leniency there, you know, that it's okay, you know, that they're not here, we'll call them. And I think it other communities that haven't been through these types of things or haven't ever had a situation where they've had major disasters. They're still struggling, you know, kind of trying to figure out, you know, how do we do this?
1: So, we have been in the place before where we have to do really high quality work with less than ideal circumstances. We do <laughs> I
0: like the way that, that sounds we, um, and I will say, um, you know, I kind of, the more we've done this show now, it's, um, I talked with Kelly Ripple Rogers and she said, um, I thought it was amazing. She said, we've been given the gift of time, you know, to, do a lot of the things that are on that someday maybe list and so but and that works for some but then there's also some of us that the someday maybe list is like you know what i don't have time for that right now we you know we'll do some of it but we're going to push this because the need is here right now which you know you guys are stepping up on need which is kind of in line you know for that a lot of businesses probably wouldn't have thought about and i've kind of i'm drawing the line and trying to somewhat unprofessionally segue us into you know what you're kind of doing with some camps you know is summer camp and business and economic development you know yes camps have you know an impact in the economy you know in summer but typically people aren't connecting all those lines as closely but you guys have spotted you know that there is a real need for this right
1: yeah, you know, we've been talking about for years how important childcare is to the economy and the economic impact that having reliable and high quality childcare uh, creates and allows because it lets people go to work, right? You have to have your kids mm-hmm. being able to be t- cared for so you can go to work. And so we're seeing that now in very, very stark focus. As we go into phase one of reopening the economy, parents are looking around and saying, well, I'd like to go back to work. But where is my child going to go? And so we know, you know, the schools schools are closed officially. They would have been closed at this point anyway. It is the first week of summer vacation, right? Um, but <laughs> I know for my own kid, uh, and so so we all would have been transitioning to some kind of summer care, whether that's a camp or a, a church or whatever it happens to be. And so now we're trying to figure out how do we get those summer camps started back up as soon as possible, so that the minute our economy is really truly ready to reopen we can get adults back to the workplace as soon as possible. Um, It's something that's very much weighing on our mind. And so right now with your help, thank you so much. We have a survey in the field of summer care providers trying to assess, are they going to be open? If they are, will they be virtual or will they be in person? Uh, What are the barriers to reopening that they have? And how can we maybe fill some of those gaps as a community?
0: It's amazing to step in there and kind of have, you know, to connect all those dots, you know, and helpful and what it's going to do. What, what do you see, you know, is the big need, you know, in the community right now? You know, where do you, you know, feel that, you know, do you have a pulse? Do you see what people, you know, what what are people thinking? What are you guys hearing?
1: So the big thing that we're hearing is it's about space, right? Uh, particularly, mm-hmm. I think right now in phase one, summer camps are allowed to be open. The Department of Education has issued guidance to summer camps and to uh, child care providers about how to do sanitation, things like that. So there's information that's out there, but I think there's, there's a space issue that's gigantic because a lot of summer care providers are little small nonprofits or their churches. There are other small facilities and in order to make summer care work revenue-wise, you have to have some economy of scale. But you can't do that if you're only a 25% occupancy. You can't do that necessarily with children and social distancing and having to keep kids six feet apart. So people are having to be innovative, and they're trying to figure out, how can I capture more uh, physical space? to be able to have as many kids as possible. The other thing is, of course, and we see that with all businesses, not just with childcare providers, but the smaller providers have less access to information. And so that's one of the things that we're really trying to be involved with, and we know you are as well, is getting out all of that guidance um, not only on sanitation and innovative ways to keep kids apart and all of that, but also on just general business recovery stuff everything that we 've been doing getting out information on the PPP et cetera is just as applicable um, to child care providers
0: that's i 've been telling uh, obviously we have a, you know a publishing arm side of you know what we do, but what i 've said since the beginning you know i 've talked to publishers across the country that i know I know a handful of Literally, probably about, you know, three different publishers that when the first, you know, stay at home orders went down, they literally just said bold shop and they shut it down like Mm -hmm. year long, you know, 20 year old businesses and it's just, you know, it's scary to think that's where they were. But what I've been trying to, you know, convey is, you know, everyone's life is different. You know, everyone's business is different. The way they do business is different. It's time you're going to have to communicate that out to people. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, one of the analogies that I've been kind of, you know, giving everybody, whether they're tired of it or not, is, you know, I fly airplanes. And the first rule when you fly an airplane, no matter what happens, if you lose an engine, if you start going down, you know, and it sounds funny, but it's like rule one is fly the airplane. You have to keep flying the airplane. And I try to equate that, you know, they say it's aviate, navigate, communicate. And so kind of a, you know, look, you have to keep flying. You've got to, you know, navigate and find how you're going to do this. Reach out to, you know, or reach out to the chamber, you know, gather information, figure out, navigate what's your map. How are you going to do this? And then you got to communicate that out, you know, to everyone, you know, you have, you've got to communicate that to your staff. You've got to communicate that to your customers. You've got to communicate that to your, you know, community. You've got to get it to your staff's family. You know, you've got to get buy-in from everybody now. And I think that's, you know, as business owners, you know, that's something that is hard. We've got to remember we got to keep flying the airplane you know at the end of the day so,
2: but so add, and Andy, the um the recognition to your point is that so many of the businesses have struggled to get information that helps them fly the plane what, what it's interesting to me about liz's comment about ppp is many many businesses either didn't want to apply to take government funding uh, early on didn't trust that it'd be available it, and at one point it was it was outright um didn't trust that it would be forgivable uh, and that enormous fear factor uh, is out there and then and then third, many of them may have thought, well that's really not for my kind of business and you know we've seen that that's been interesting and I can I can imagine not just summer camps many of the folks listening may have thought it still isn't something that might match them. so I would say just because of the, the number of folks that watch your program here, if they haven't applied for the paycheck protection program, there is still a hundred billion or so that's in the in the kitty that companies can take advantage of. The other thing that I think we worry about is we're a community with a lot of haves and have nots and the companies and the individuals who have been less likely, or at least anecdotally, we've heard less likely to take advantage of paycheck protection program or those who are disadvantaged, uh, those who are smallest or perhaps least resourced. um, And those who really felt burned by the 2016 floods went and took advantage of small business uh, loans uh, back after 2016 it did damage to them and put them in a a really strained position and they're you know the the letters sba are a four-letter word to them so they're going to stay the hell away from those guys um and so we've got concerns that there are businesses who are shutting or threatening shutting or concerned about failing who've not taken advantage of it and yet it could be there as a financial lifeline to them so i just want to make sure we say this now if anyone's listening and hasn't thought to go take advantage of it please do reach out to us there are banks still processing PPP applications from new customers even those that aren't your own banks if your own bank never finally fully got you through or you never had a banking relationship in the first place don't hesitate to reach out to us you know we'd love to help those companies that haven't gotten one yet to still get a paycheck protection program that is such a useful financial lifeline to a lot of those struggling business right now
0: Absolutely. And I've worked with a lot of people. And one of the things that, you know, I kind of add on top of that is what a lot of people who maybe I've, I had personal experience with a couple of people. Where I was like, Hey, did you go, you know, did you fill out your app? And they're like, I don't have time for that. You know, or it's, you know, that's going to be too complicated or I got to find things. It really wasn't, you know, it wasn't this huge daunting. It wasn't, you know, I can remember in my early days of starting out in business and somebody told me about the SBA and they give small business loans. And it was like, Oh my God, this is awesome. I'm going to go find them, you know, and went and found them. And then they were just like, here, all you got to do is fill out an application download. Oh my God. You know, it's like, I've got to run a business. I'm trying to start a company here. I need another company to run. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not the, it's SBAs, you know, part of it. It's another, just one of those TLAs or three letter acronyms, you know, for everybody, but
2: you've got to, you've got to recognize that the bank's, have been doing some incredible. We talk about, you know, the, we talked about this before, but the healthcare community has been so good as a frontline mm-hmm. service. I really think that bankers, uh, in many ways, have been another one of those frontline. When the Paycheck Protection Program came out, it was really, clunky for the first few days, and first week or so, they were spending the night at the office processing mm-hmm. applications that were coming in hand over fist, and and I think they're still, in many cases. Doing everything they can to do it, folks won't realize that they will help you fill out the application, which is a relatively, like you made the point, relatively simple thing. And the amount of information you have to pull is not that much about your business. Most anybody would have that readily at their fingertips who's a business owner. Um, and and the other fascinating thing to your point about the SBA, I haven't heard a single example of a person's application being rejected. So they, you know, they'll walk you through the process. There's a lot of trust in the system that, you know, get it to us. Mm -hmm. We'll trust you to do the right thing. Um, And then, you know, the next wave of concern is making sure that you do the right things to make sure you get the forgiveness that's been promised to you. And so that's been something our team has been working on this week. That that guidance came out last weekend. And so now a lot of folks are very interested to understand some of those particulars, but again, it's not too complicated to walk through how to make sure you're going to be eligible for that forgiveness.
0: Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I will say, I know, you know, when we were talking with some of our bankers on some things, it was, you know, it was phone calls, it was texts. And it was, I think the day that the application came out, I think a number of people I talked to had the same experience. It was like, here's the app. And then it was like 30 minutes later, it's like, no, here's the app. You know, here's, <laughs> hey, no, no, we're joking. I'm messing with you. No, here's the real app. This is the yeah. final app. You know, yeah. it was just like, you couldn't even get one filled out until, you know, they said, no, wait, we had to make a modification. Here's the new one. Mm-hmm. So. But it was the, interesting,
2: the to say least. If you filled out the first one and had to fill out the second one, it wasn't that, that much different in the end. It exactly. was slightly different, but you'd, you'd already done your homework. You know, it was like the test was a little different than the track, the practice test, you know,
0: it's good. Exactly. So, but it was just every time it seemed like everybody was trying to figure it out and you had to work with them. And, you know, we were talking with a bunch of people. So it was interesting to say at least, but what if, if you got frustrated during that process, you know, you just kind of got to get over it, you know, but at the end of the day, that's, That's everybody working together. And I think that's what we've done here, you know, in our community really well, you know, in the business. It's we're trying to get information out, you know, to as many people as we can. We're trying to push, you know, and really tell these business, you know, these owners, you know, there's, I mentioned it, you know, before, you know, to me, you know, the healthcare workers are, you know, phenomenal, you know, they've done an amazing job in here. Our first responders have done, you know, amazing jobs as well, but it's, that business owner, you know, if I can ever give, you know, the shout out, you know, to them, I, you know, pat myself on the back sometimes with this one, but it's really about everybody trying to just keep it going. You know, it's one thing when you're dealing with, you know, your own personal finances and then your own family's, you know, finances and what they're doing. And then you've got a business and you've got employees and people that depend on you. You know, it's a lot of weight, you know, that these guys are carrying, you know, and the more you resources that you guys have been able, you know, the chambers been able to throw out to them, you know, so they're not sitting in the dark, you know, so they're not having to, you know, I've taken some of the things that you guys have done, some of the webinars, some of the panels, and just hit play and I've got ear on and I'm walking around, I'm, you know, making chicken, you know, I'm just listening and consuming information, you know, as we go. So I have time to sit and read, and
2: read it. You know, Remember? I mentioned to that point, Brandon, three things that I think are, are, are useful for folks to know uh, that better out there. One, um, we early on launched something called BR Works, which I think has is, is been one of the most popular things that we've created because it's while it's for businesses, it's for individuals who are being furloughed or laid off. And the benefit is to both uh, employees and employers. Um, BR Works came out of an idea from uh, one of our local businesses who said, look, I'm actually hiring right now. Can you help me lean in to meet other HR folks who might be furloughing or laying people off that I could pick up some of their team members and do something. And so we, we cogitated on that for about 24 hours and came out with BR Works uh, 24 hours later. And it's a, you know, it's a kludgy little solution, but it works. It's about 95 companies we've now discovered who are hiring that we've been able to play matchmaker to individuals who are seeing our website uh, to find jobs for themselves or temporary positions for themselves. And the employers who need that resource right now to be able to take advantage that this incredibly weird period that they actually need people when they're, it's really kind of difficult to be in this hiring phase because you can't really onboard people as easily as you can when you can meet them in person. And you got to be able to have some way to find them as quickly as possible. So that's one thing that I think I want to just re- sort of signal to people that's still available at, at BRAC.org slash recovery. Go to BR works. You'll see how to see who those 95 or so employers are that are hiring. And we keep checking for more and adding more, uh, every week. I think that's going to, as we kind of are in this new reopening and recovery phase, it is going to be only more important for our community to be able to help those, you know, hundred something thousand people that got, you know, laid off or furloughed and they're filing yeah, for right. unemployment insurance. We've got to get those folks assistance and the best assistance is a job. Uh, the second thing that I'll mention is, is out there still as a tool. A lot of the employers uh, and even childcare centers and, and summer camps have have strained to be able to get access protective equipment we don't have it in our normal normal purchasing cycle to go find masks and and the quantity of gloves we have to give the amount of the how difficult it is to find a clorox wipe is astounding Uh, and and so getting that information not just available to folks but are available in real time at the best possible price given how screwy supply chains have been so we worked with um, a great company that i'm so excited that that stood up and did this lions Specialty is a logistics and distribution company that's in Port Allen. Um, and Hugh Rach and his team stood up and said, we'll, we'll help you all create some sort of center if you can help us control that the pricing and sort of ordering helps us make sure we can manage that we keep our prices as low as possible for folks. So it's been amazing. We've had now 300, uh, over 325, I think, companies as of yesterday who have ordered uh, their protective equipment from that that PPE marketplace that we rolled out just two weeks ago. Um, and that's pretty amazing that that has worked as well as it has. And because you can not only get it and it, and we've been tracking that it's the pricing on there is staying as close to market prices, current market prices as we can. I think it's and that you can pick up the next day, uh, just go drive through. They do it outside uh, at their, at their distribution center. It's been a really cool pivot. That's been helpful to businesses. And again, it, it has part partly to do with how, how to make sure the, that the reopening is as safe as possible. Something, we've had as our mantra through all this. Um, and then the third thing I'll, I'll tee it to, to Liz to say is on testing. So in the last, I would say two weeks, we've seen that many of the testing programs that are out there that have been really centrally focused on those that are at risk of hospitalization who feel like they've got COVID, You know, they've really said the tests are available for those who are infected, not for the general public, not for employers. Um, so don't don't think that you can get access to these tests. Well, that's really changed in the last two weeks. So, so Liz, why don't you say a little bit about the project y'all are about to finish uh, on testing?
1: Yeah, actually, dramatically so that's changed. So we uh, spent all day yesterday um, finding and calling every single testing provider that we could in the capital region, um, and there are more than fifty of them where you can uh, get an appointment or you can walk in and you can get a test. Um, Some of them require a doctor's note, but many of them do not. Um, And some of them take insurance and some of them do not. And some of them, you know, there's a lot of information out there, but we've gathered up all of this information. What we're hoping to do is release it tomorrow, fingers crossed, in an interactive map format, Matt. Um, So you can hover over the place that's closest to you and find out everything you need to know. And if you need to get a test, go over there and get your test. Or if you need, um, as a business owner, you know, you're thinking that's something that you would like for your employees, then you'll know where to send them.
0: That's amazing. I would venture to say, Liz, last year planning, you weren't trying to work logistics with PPE and, you know, medical testing at the chamber, were you?
1: (laughs) There are a lot of things we're doing now that we did not imagine we would be doing. no. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but Selling all clean in the spirit pearls. of helping yeah. the business community, right? <laughs> we <laughs> so. just
1: try to fill the need, right? BRAC is here for business, so we're trying to fill the need.
0: Yeah, Brandon, so, it's interesting
2: the definition of economic development is changing so rapidly. What does it mean for the business community to know that there are jobs in Baton Rouge? The things we consider our kind of core bread and butter. If we operate with the, the modus operandi that our jobs in Baton Rouge is our priority, what secures those jobs changes that you need to deliver. It changes rapidly, obviously, in a period of pandemic, but um, it doesn't change that our, our North Star is job creation in, in Metro Baton Rouge. What does it take to secure that? Right now, while it's typically about you know, creating net new permanent jobs for our citizens, high-paying, high-quality jobs with benefits, You know, right now it's just about getting people back into the jobs that they had as quickly as we can and, and helping the employers get back to stability so that they have the comfort to be able to do that. Yeah, that kind of goes.
1: It's been a place where we've had to kind of focus on filling gaps and getting out information and being responsive to COVID while also at the same time, uh, doing some of the work that we already do, which is thinking about the kind of public policy environment that we need in order to be able to be stronger. And so in this place, it's thinking about what does that look like for recovery? Right. And so whether that's, you know, our safe at work protocol that we put out several weeks ago, talking about how we can get things back to business, whether it's about now thinking through what kind of short term training is going to be needed so that folks who are out of work and are not necessarily going to see their particular industry recovers quickly, uh, as others can pivot to another industry with uh, short-term training. We've got to keep our eye on what's uh, what's on fire right now, if you'll forgive mm-hmm. the analogy, but also what do we need to do to get ready for what comes next?
0: That um, it reminds me, I've said it a number of times as well. And the, the old uh, Zig Ziglar, you can get anything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they need first, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's you know, kind of important here that, you know, we're all, we're all trying right? We're all trying to figure out what's the next piece and what do people need? And I think that's something important for the business community is, you know, you guys are a voice for that business community. You know, one person, you know, can't, you know, necessarily make a change, but they can make a phone call and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need help, you know? And that brings me to, I was talking with a, a friend of mine last week and they've been very entrenched in, you know, politics here. And they've been around for a long time. And they've worked a lot of different businesses. And I think one of the things that they told me that was just it's resonated with me is they said, the rules are different. The game has changed, you know, at the end of the day, it is not the same as it was before. It is completely different. And I made the analogy and if you know you guys are it's kind of funny you guys are doing the ppe and selling you know or working the logistics on it but like if i you know eight months ago wanted to go get into the ppe business (laughs) and i went and bought a bunch of it and tried to figure it out and i could do i could go drive around from hospital to hospital and business and supplier and try to say you know hey i've got all this in the back of the truck you know this is my new business model i'm selling the you need to call our purchasing you need to do this you know You could pretty much pull up at a hospital right now or you could pull up at a business, you know, and they're like, oh, you got it. What do you need? You know, how do we get it? You know, it's the rules are completely different these days. And so I think that's what's exciting. But it also means don't think just because it was difficult before or you didn't know how to do it, that you don't have any help. You know, that's where you guys are evident. You need PPE, make a phone call. They can tell you where to get it. I wouldn't have thought to go to, you know, brag.org would have been my first place.
1: I think our team, interestingly enough, working from home for so many weeks, we're still more accessible than ever before, frankly, Um, with all of that emphasis, as Adam said, on over-communication. I mean, you can catch us on different platforms. There's phone (laughs) numbers. There's the website. We've got a new chat feature on our website we never had before. I mean, you can (laughs) get us, and we are here to help.
0: You're probably live like I am, you know. You can just, I'll go all day and I'll look up and I'm like it's seven o'clock. I had no idea, but <laughs> and if you rang me at eight o'clock, I'm answering the phone just like it's you know three o'clock. You know, and everybody's got everybody's cell phone numbers. I've heard the latest thing is you know we're all on Zoom and you can add people you know your contacts to Zoom, and so I've got people that I know them, but like I'm not. They're just they're calling me through Zoom and I'm answering like hey, and it's just a random you know call. Yeah, it's like they I didn't feel somebody called me on the cell phone the other day and I was like. I haven't talked to you on the phone in like months <laughs> you know it's can we go back to zoom i'd rather you show me what you're talking about exactly
2: so. you know you're, it's funny you mentioned about zoom too we had this is a, just a fun anecdote i think that we had we had a platform for our uh voice over ip system for for brack called eight by eight that um we've been using for a number of years uh and it has always had a video chat feature we've never used <laughs> a video chat feature once um and it was just Fortunate that you know, back on whatever that was, March thirteenth or fourteenth, when we you know went remote, we said, "Look, if you need to communicate with each other, here's how to set up a, a video chat with your team, how to set up a, an instant message chat with with a group." Um, and that platform, fortunately, enabled us to rapidly go remote. And I think what's interesting is, and we we can talk about this further, but I think it's interesting too that. Um, that remote accessibility that you've learned through Zoom and we've learned through Zoom and 8x8 and, and too many video chat platforms now, it feels like. Um, it's so easy, now that we've all forced ourselves to be trained on it, that I think that we're going to be forever changed, that this is sort of a big bang, oh. moment, right, for, for um, and video chat. Um, and that that moment, I don't think we've fully internalized how, how significant that shift is. And, and to some of the core things that BRAC worries about, we worry about traffic congestion in Metro Baton Rouge. We have no idea how much congestion is going to be affected by kind of the future of remote work. I think we'll see a lot of people ultimately return to their offices and their stores, but a significant portion of people are going to be able to continue to choose some amount of virtual work. Uh, whether I it's can weekly, tell you. Or, or all the time, like, like Facebook announced today. So
0: I can tell you, well, A, I didn't hear the Facebook announcement, but B, I can tell you I've done Zoom for years with the technology companies I've been involved in. You know, a couple of years ago, I was given an award, you know, from Zoom for like one of the top 10 users, you know, of Zoom, you know, globally, because that's how much I'd used it. But I could never have a Zoom. I would, I'd email people here in town in Baton Rouge and be like, hey, just can we jump on Zoom? And they'd be like, what? <laughs> and I'd be like, you know what? Never mind. I don't have time to explain this to you. No, you
2: Brandon, you should have brought
0: us... <laughs> I, uh, the I, th- That would have been smart. I, sh- I should have, you know. But that's the name of the game for me. Yeah, right. But now, what I'm you mentioned, you know, it's traffic. You know, I would have that call with somebody and be like, hey, can you jump on Zoom? Uh, and I'd be like, okay, I'll just come see. You. And then I'm jumping in the car and I'm driving downtown. You know, how much of that's going to stop? You know, you and I, you know, you and I've met. I've driven downtown to meet at your place. Yeah. you have Zoom now. Unless you've got lunch, I'm not coming. You know, right. like,
2: <laughs> my incentive price has gone higher. That's
0: right. That's it's the new thing is going to be if you want face to face, you bring lunch. You know, you bring something that I can't explore over you know, Zoom. That's right. Well, we've so. certainly
1: anecdotally heard it. I mean, I have a friend who works for a, a global engineering company, and they work with uh, uh, engineers across the world, so they're used to interacting virtually but they still had a building here and interact face-to-face in the workplace as we all do. Well, this has been a grand experiment and most of them are not going to go back. So it's going to be interesting to see how our workforce really changes mm-hmm. going forward uh, and how much of this really is going to stick.
0: I think um, I think it's, we're going to have to find that balance. I think it's going to be, mm. you know, the slinky effect. You know, as soon as we can all run, you know, we're all going to run and go see each other and then it's going to be kind of a pullback. But yeah. I think you know, we joke about taking the calls all night long and, you know, kind of working through this. And I think that for a lot of us, you know, it's, we're trying to, you know, genuinely help. And so, you know, I'm always going to answer my phone. You know, I tell people, you know, it's never too late to call. If I'm asleep, I won't answer, you know, it's kind of, you know, my rule. And so, you know, with that, and just getting people back moving, you know, Adam, you talked something, you started to tell me and I kind of cut you off in the beginning before we went, you know, on some of the, you know, this unemployment, you know, that you guys, you know, are kind of helping and keeping an eye on, you know, can you kind of, catch me. we circled back you know over there
2: yeah thank you um so i mentioned the br works initiative um mm-hmm. a, a lot of let me come to this the a lot of what we've been tracking stems from what we call our leading indicators project so one of the other things we pivoted to do right away in late march was to create a dashboard that is intended to help business makers understand what's happening in metro baton rouge in the capital area and recognizing that most economic data that you would normally read is put out monthly by the Bureau of Labor Statistics about unemployment rates, job creation, what's happening in different sectors. Um, and so what we realized is we need to have data indicators that are available weekly, repeatable, and are going to be a picture of what's happening even if, if they're not immediately about the economy. And so uh, we looked at auto fuel sales as a great picture of you can Tell a lot about what's happening in the metro area economy about how we're selling gasoline. Um, And so that was fascinating to get from uh, from one of our investors on a weekly basis. They've been telling us the prior week's auto sales at all their gas stations um, as a picture year-over-year of what's happening in that week. We've looked at unemployment claims, new initial unemployment claims data is available for all of our parishes on a weekly basis. Um, and we saw the spike and then what is a slow decline each week of the new initial unemployment claims. The latest data came out today. We're down about 30% over last week for how many new claims came in. And that is probably as rapid as you can get data. It's also really fascinating that some of the major data providers uh, globally got together, created a nonprofit resource, and that has been, a, in the last two weeks, a data source that's available across the U.S. to know what's happening in every U.S. county, um, on, on things like uh, sales taxes. So it's amazing how much you can track nationally. When you aggregate that data and make it available for free, then it's a really helpful decision-making tool. To the point about unemployment insurance, I think just I, w- I would say this as a policy issue, and it'll, it'll bring Liz into this conversation too. The, um, the, the concern that we heard from, from employers was when unemployment, the pandemic unemployment insurance is paying out plus state unemployment, about $850 a week, Um, that puts a lot of people in a better financial position on unemployment insurance than they are going back to the job that they held before. And the employer who's sensitive to their former employee's needs, maybe somebody that has been with them 20 years, 10, 20 years, like, look, I don't want to take that away from you. So I'm not going to offer you the job back until I absolutely need you. Uh, And when I do, I just would love you to come back as soon as you can. But it's also that the state has to be able to create a trigger that if you're offered your job, what's expected in typical unemployment insurance is you take your job back or you lose your unemployment insurance. Uh, And that has not actually been put into effect yet in a clear and simple way. Um, And it's a national issue. This is not just the state Mm -hmm. workforce commission. The whole country is in this place where we're trying to make sure we don't pull back the safety net. Um, but we also need to motivate folks to be employed because we need our unemployment rate to come down from 20 something percent. Uh, And so that, that, that's an interesting current policy issue. I think it'd be great if Liz, you could kind of say a little bit about some of the work that y'all have been doing on that topic.
1: Yeah. You know, so we look at that unemployment insurance amount and it's about $44,000 a year if you annualize it. And you have to keep in mind that here in the Baton Rouge region the median income is $46,000 a year, right? So it really can make a huge difference because it's a one size fits all solution that came from DC that makes maybe a lot more sense in a Massachusetts or a California than it does here in Louisiana. And so- you know while the Louisiana workforce commission has created this reporting mechanism for uh, for businesses we're really worried about what's going to happen on the end of all of this because even though the reporting mechanism is there they're not telling employees about it as loudly as we'd all like them to and warning them that what may happen at the very end is that if they refuse work and they uh, they turn down an offer to come back onto the job refusing work, it's going to be treated as what's called an overpayment, which means LWC is going to come knocking on the door to get that money back. And the last the thing world. that we want or any employer wants is for that to happen, for them to get a letter from LWC saying, you know, you got all this money in unemployment insurance, and now you're going to have to pay it back. That'd be a terrible, terrible thing to happen. Um, and so one of the things that we're, of course, trying to do is urge as loudly as possible LWC to be more clear about that on the front end uh for folks who are applying for unemployment insurance.
0: Wow. That's yeah, yeah that is kind of a, you know, back to what we said this whole, you know, time. It's communication. You know, right. that's what people need, you know, is communicate, communicate, communicate. So yeah. you know, I guess with that, you know, the second hurdle that you know that I've heard people are struggling with is I talked with a group, and they were saying that, you know, half of their office never left. You know, they stuck it out. The other half went home, and they just recently called them and said, come back. And so they've come back, and then they've said, I heard them at the end of this week saying, we're going to open the door to the public Monday. And half of everybody freaked out and was like, I I didn't want to come back, but you made me. And so I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm not good. You don't touch me. I won't touch you. You stand there. I'll don't bring the public in. And I've heard this and this is from a lot of your, you know, professional, you know, services type firms and a lot of those to where, you know, it's, it's one thing for us to get over the mental, you know, here, it's another thing for employers to, you know, Hey, come on, everybody. Let's, you know, we're all, you know, we're part of a campaign. I think you guys are as well, you know, it's back to business, you know, VR, you know, it's getting them there, but it's also getting people emotionally ready, you know, to come back, you know, and say, Hey, let's do this. And so I think that's, what's going to be, It's so many of these little hurdles that we don't know about. Um, But I think you guys, you guys can help in every area. Every time I've turned around, you guys have had some resource, you know, there. And I think business owners are sometimes going, what am I supposed to do? It's lonely at the top. I don't know. And it's like, no, you need to just reach over to the channel. Like Abby said, you don't even have to be an investor right now. It's go to the website.
2: I think I'm going to help every business get every job that they can. And um, so that's our mission. And, uh, I will mention, too, that, um, you know, in addition to being there as a resource, we're trying to make sure we can, we can answer those questions. I think what we're doing this week is going to look different in four weeks. Uh, okay. I don't know how much, but we just, we're just we going to continue every week to make sure that we're responding to the changing nature of what is happening uh, and what em- employers are concerned about is going to change every week. One that you have are, are, are touching on with your, your last, uh, last comment is, a a business who's allowing the public back in has a, a set of protocols and safety guidance that is just another thing they have to learn and figure out. And the only way to do that is to try. As we've done throughout this whole thing, we've had to try each little thing, learn from it, tweak it a little bit, iterate it, and then, and see if it works. But, but ultimately to be in business, you have to take that step. And the first time you take the step, it's going to be scary. What we're, Making sure we also offer people is guidance we're trying to do ourselves. So if you walk into our building, we did a soft opening. I'm sitting in our building uh, in downtown. We did a soft opening. We offered our staff the voluntary opportunity return. It's not for everyone. Uh, We had about five of our 26 staff take us up on it. And we're trying out the same things everybody else are. We're doing safety screenings at the door, doing temperature checks. We've got a a really cool logic uh, questionnaire that we've built in that if an employee is coming to work, Uh, We're asking all of them to ask, you know, go through a set of five questions that we actually borrowed from Blue Cross, their questionnaire, uh, to make sure that we understand what are the right things you should ask any person who comes into contact with you or your employees about what their risk factors are, and to make sure that you are intentional about asking those questions, because until there's a vaccine, everybody's a potential threat, and we have to be super careful about not putting our putting any of our employees at risk. And so we're learning about those lessons ourselves, hopefully so we can also offer those experiences out back to the investor community, the business community, out in, in the Baton
0: Absolutely. I talked with uh, Oshners a couple weeks ago and we were talking about how we didn't do anything two months ago to cause, nobody was intentionally, like we didn't walk up and cough on each other. You know, we didn't go rub our hands, you know, on each other's face. We didn't intentionally do anything to spread, you know, this. And if we all just go back to work in the same manner that we did before, we potentially could have this, you know, come back again. And I think there's, there's two factors with that. It's one, it's the, you know, Hey, we've got to do something different. You know, things are going to be a little bit different, but two, we've got to also communicate and show that we're doing something different so that we can get people's emotional buy-in and they can feel that, you know, Hey, I'm being asked to come back to work. Here's what, you know, my office did, you know, we make fun of the, sign in the bathroom, you know, in all the restaurants, it always says employees must wash hands before returning to work. But now that means something to everybody. So
2: That, that yeah. sign you now has added on to it. And please don't have more than one person in this room at the same time. Because yeah. I don't want to lose the
0: terms while I'm in the
2: bathroom. Adam's probably
1: tired at this point of hearing me talk about consumer confidence. You know, I used to work in market research before I started working in economic development. And so consumer confidence, employee confidence, customer confidence, parent confidence, it's so important to our economic recovery. And really the only way to do it is start dipping your toe back into the water. Uh, As Adam says, the first time is scary, but we're going to get through and we're going to do it safely.
0: Well, I'll, Kind of wrap us up with this. And when you talk about the conference, I think one of the things that's, you know, very important. I know if I go write the rules and put the, you know, what our guidelines, you know, what we're doing at my office, people are going to look at me and go, "You, you, you don't know anything about this. You know, why in God's name should we listen to you? I can tell them, you know, no, I'm getting my information, I'm going to, you know, I'm working with the chamber, I'm working with the healthcare, it's partners is where you're going to build a lot of that confidence. You know, I have nothing to do with pandemic response, I've never had anything to do with it. So what makes anyone in my group think that I should be the one making some of those decisions. But if I can say, I'm standing with, you know, the chamber, we've been going to webinars, I've watched, you know, five hours of this, and we've read the information that they've disseminated to us, we have partnered with that breeds confidence. And mm-hmm. so for business owners, they need to know you need to, you know, you can't take this all on, you know, yourself. It's too yep. much of a cross to carry and it's going to help you get more buy-in when you can show that you've got partners.
2: Well, and I think to the value proposition that is at the heart of why we exist as an organization is we all need to have something that we belong to that we can trust will bring us good information when we need it. Um, will give us those network connections that we need when we need them. And in many ways, that's what we're performing as a service is to make sure that we do our due diligence and try to share honest, credible information to everybody. Um, and then uh, we have seen that in droves from uh, so many other sources. And in, in, while folks may pick on it, I think the Open Safely website that the state put together, the fire marshal's office put together, was innovative. It's really clever that they came out with a simple way that you can you know, list your business type, and it sends you safety guidance. Uh, and that safety guidance is not perfect. It's not full. It's not comprehensive. But it's damn good. Uh, and it's clever how they put it together.
0: And the speed at which it was put together from the yes. state side. <laughs> the state moved fast. You know, okay. it's, the, uh, right. it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, look, I've taken enough of you guys time you guys have got real businesses to go help, you know, and put things together. But I think we've covered an incredible amount of information. We're gonna try to get this out to everybody as soon as we can. I, I think you guys are a wealth of information and kind of I said with this whole thing, you know, kind of, if you don't like the state of where we are, you know, right now with COVID, wait five minutes, it'll change. It's kind of like the weather around here, you know, so We'd love to have you come back, you know, tell us, you know, what's new? What are we missing? What's the next step? You know, where are you guys at? Anytime you want to come on, we'd love to have you.
2: We'd love to do it. I I promise not to wear the Greek flag shirt next time, uh, but uh, that's
0: great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to kind of keep up here. We're doing the home office, you know, thing we're doing the office office. We're doing, you know, down the road office. So it's all at this point, the rules have changed. So All right. Right. Adam, Liz, I appreciate the time extremely very much. Thank you for what you guys are doing and the community as well.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Appreciate the opportunity.